Welcome to the Lonnie Swain Show podcast, a top-rated weekly podcast providing support for the struggles, celebrating the successes, and sharing the personal and professional development stories of women of color. It's inspiring and insightful conversations with sheroes who want to share their experiences to help other women's outcomes. Hosted by me, media veteran and content creator, Lonnie Swain. The purpose of this show is to remind you that everyone has to go through something to get somewhere. Thank you so much for listening. I love and appreciate your feedback, so don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Now let's get into the show. All right. I am super excited about today's episode. Joining me on the Lonnie Swain Show podcast is Netta Dobbins. She is a marketer, entrepreneur, and professional hype woman that's worked with brands like State Farm, NBA, Nike, and more. She's the founder of MemConnect, a career resource and networking platform that I love that is diversifying the workforce and secret Black girl meeting, an event series curating a safe space for Black women to discuss issues plaguing our community community. Netta's mission is to always create opportunities for people of color and lift as she climbs. Netta, thank you so much for being on the podcast and welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Of course, I had to have you on the show once I found out about MemConnect and I absolutely love, love, love the platform. So first of all, thank you so very much for creating it. It was so absolutely needed and necessary mm-hmm. and such a great resource for anyone that's listening who has not heard about it so far. We're going to talk about it, what it is and why you need to be a part of it and telling everybody you know about it. But first, I want to know, how did you get started in your career as a marketer? Is that something that you thought you would do from a child or what did you think you were going to be when you grew up? Definitely didn't think that marketing, I don't even think I knew what marketing was growing up. (laughs) I'm originally from Nashville, Tennessee, and you know, growing up as just a person of color, you have three career choices, right? It is mm-hmm. Be a doctor, be a lawyer, be an engineer. There's nothing mm-hmm. else in that, right? <laughs> I so, thought you were going to say um, a teacher in there, too. That's always oh, one yeah. consideration. <laughs> yeah, it depends on how much money you want to make. Because mm, true. They push us to make all the money. So yes. you got to take care of them. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So following that, I I went to school initially to be a nurse because my mom's a nurse, and that's kind of what I grew up um, with. She was always in her little nursing uniform. I knew exactly what that meant for the family and what kind of lifestyle I could have with that. And it's pretty cool, right? Mm-hmm. So I went to school, um, started with a nursing degree. About halfway through the first semester, I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like, I hate science. I couldn't pass statistics. <laughs> wow. I was like, this is not for me. So uh-huh. I completed I completed the semester. I got good enough grades to pass. And then mm-hmm. I was like, let me take a step back and really kind of identify what it is that I like doing. So I set up time with my um, advisor and I was like, hey, I like writing. I like planning events. What can I actually do that kind of combines both of those together? And mm-hmm. she mentioned public relations. And I'm like, what? Well, what the hell is public relations? Like, I right. don't know about that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 
we spent time like really diving into like what it meant. And I also had a, a huge interest in the entertainment industry. So she prompted me to go do my research on publicists who represent some of my favorite celebrities and kind of what their career paths were, et cetera. And I was like, wow, this is something that, you know, I actually like. I like being mm-hmm. behind the scenes and I like planning things. So mm-hmm. I graduated with a degree in PR, minor in psychology, just because I like to know how people think and I'm nosy. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, I actually moved to New York to work in entertainment PR. I had an internship at one of the top PR firms um, up here. Did that nice. for a while, and that's kind of what kickstarted my career. Okay, and so now, how was that adjustment from Nashville to New York? Ooh, um, <laughs> completely different. <laughs> I can completely imagine. Different. Yeah, it was definitely a culture shock because. I think growing up in Nashville and just the South in general, you have black and white and everybody's just super friendly, et cetera. So coming up here, I actually had never been to New York until I got off the plane to move here, which wow. was, you know, crazy in itself. My parents were definitely panicking, like, why would you do that? <laughs> but, but I know I had to just get out jump of right in. So, yeah. Right. Why not? But definitely a culture shock. I think what I value the most about New York is the culture. So the different ethnicities that I've now learned about, um, there's so many different types of black people and what it means to be black. Mm -hmm. The immigrant experience, the food, just having kind of everything at my fingertips, too, um, has been something that I truly, truly enjoy. And now what was the reaction from the parents when you decided you weren't going to (laughs) pursue nursing? <laughs> oh, um, they, they, if I didn't know what public relations were, they definitely had no idea. <laughs> and they're like, can you make money off of that? Like, how would you, right. make, are you going to be able to survive, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I think at a certain point, you have to realize that your parents and their generation, they only know so much because so much was you know, told to them and they only experienced like certain things. And Mm -hmm. with, you know, the rise of the internet and technology, there are new opportunities emerging that, you know, our parents never knew about, never thought about, never knew. Didn't exist even. It didn't exist. Exactly. Like there was no need for it, you know, like a social media manager for what? Like, right. We still write notes. Right. (laughs) Right. Sending them via postal mail. Exactly. So I think Mm -hmm. at a certain point you have to kind of, align with what your goals and intentions are as a person and kind of just bet on yourself despite what other people are telling you. And that's kind of what I had to do. I had to tune it out because I knew this is what I wanted, Um, especially Mm -hmm. moving to New York, like not having lived here or visited before. That was super scary. And I initially told my parents, oh, I'm just going to be up there for, you know, three months to finish the internship. And I've been here for four years now. so. (laughs) (laughs) So that means that things have been going well from the internship then did you get offered a job with that company or how did you transition into your working career? Yeah, so I actually didn't get a job with that company. And I was that was a really low point for me because it's like I spent all my savings to move here. And I really thought that this was the job for me, like super, super excited. And then I didn't get offered a full time position. Mm-hmm. And at that choice, I could either, you know, go back home like I told my parents I would or I could you know, apply and try to find something else. And me being the person who doesn't like failure, (laughs) Uh I was like, no, I'm going to exhaust all of my resources. I'm going to figure it the fuck out. Yes. (laughs) I honestly applied to like every PR firm in New York and actually got a full-time position at another top PR firm. So the one I was interning at was number one when I moved here. 
the one I got hired at was number two, but was number one by the end of the next year. So I was like, um, you know, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Um, so I did that. I worked in PR for about three years and then eventually got bored with it because at a certain point, it's more about who you know and the connections you made versus like the story that you're pitching. And it just becomes a bit repetitive. And I wanted to be in a more creative field. So that's when I transitioned to advertising. Um, I worked as a social strategist for about three years with the clients you mentioned earlier, Nike, NBA, NFL, et cetera, creating um, these 360 degree campaigns that really brought either their products to the forefront of the market or helped them really increase brand awareness or brand affinity among an audience that they were looking to cultivate. Did that for about three years too. And then um, within both PR and advertising, I realized that I was the only person of color or the only woman in the room in most of the rooms that I was in. And, you know, that kind of leads to a feeling of isolation. um, Yeah, but also a feeling of frustration. And through Mm -hmm. that feeling of frustration, that's how I launched MemConnect as a community for people of color to, you know, connect and collaborate with each other. And then Connect honestly started as a group chat with me and my friends that worked in the media industry. And then they added their friends and they added their friends. And all of a sudden there were 300 people in this group chat talking about, <laughs> oh, I'm the only person of color in my office. Oh, I keep getting looked over for promotion. Oh, I don't know how to get my foot into the door at this company, et cetera. And that's when mm-hmm. I realized I had a business opportunity, right? There was there was a yeah. need for something like Mem Connect to do the alley oop or assist people in yeah. their career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so now uh, I've had the opportunity to meet my co-founder um, Bianca Janti through Mem Connect as well. And for the past three years, we've been building out our baby, which is now a career source and professional networking platform helping um, diversify the workforce. Yes, which I got to applaud that. Did y'all hear what she said, people? Yes, it is. It is all of that. And then some I was referred to Mem Connect through an Afrotech article that was written about Mem Connect. And I had never heard anything about it, but it was everything that I needed and and didn't know. Just that community (laughs) of support is truly there, you know, just sharing, hey, my job is hiring. We need more people of color. Here's a link to it. Use me as a reference. Uh, Hit me up directly if you need some information. And that's something that the others have been doing for so long, but we have not been able to kind of create that community because it seems like or people will have you to believe that people of color don't support each other or people of color Mm -hmm. don't want to be a resource. It's like, no, don't use me as a reference. I don't know you like that. I'm not having you bring down my (laughs) reputation, you know, or whatever. But this, this community totally defies any negative stereotype that you may have heard before, any negative experience that you may have personally had that you felt was the norm or the majority. So I really, really appreciate that. And then just the support. I love Giving Thursday that people Mm -hmm. get on there and, you know, hey, I am a uh, HR professional and I will look at your resume and give you critiques or help you with a cover letter. And and let me tell you something, Netta, for a second, I was kind of reluctant to get you on here because I'm like, oh, the secret is going to be out. Everybody's going to be on there. <laughs> and, uh-huh. and, and one of my personal worries, and I want to ask you as the, the founder, if this has ever been a worry of yours, that 
if and when it blows up and and MemConnect is a household name and everybody and their grandma, auntie, cousin is on here, that it will lose the um, authenticity or the connection mm-hmm. or the level of intimacy and personal connection that people kind of have when it goes mainstream or gets commercialized that the original intent may be lost. Is that mm-hmm. ever been a concern of yours? Or once it gets so big, you can't control the types of people that are on there or the personalities mm-hmm. or the intentions or different things like that. Right. I think that's definitely a concern for me or anybody building a community based project, because like I said, we've been building this for three years and there have been people in my community that have been with us since the group chat and I've seen them grow and they've seen us grow. And I think as anything scales, it's like a give and take um, thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you have to give up some of that intimacy if you want to bring on or if you want to make an impact on, you know, 12 million Americans like you can't Mm -hmm. continue to have you know, this small slack community no more. But I think the way that we think about it is how do we scale, but also continue to create value, right? So within Slack, what we've done is we started um, creating channels or just different groups for people based on um, industry or based on location. And I think, while yeah, we have 4,000 people in this group right now, there's still ways for you guys to connect based on interest, based on locations, et cetera. And I think if you want to bring it even more micro, we host event series um, titled Office Hours and the Champion Series. And for these event series, we only let in, you know, a certain amount of people. And we, um, we go through them. We make sure that these people mesh together based on their skills, based on their experiences, et cetera. Um, so that the event is impactful because you can't have, you know, an event where, hey, we're going to talk about, the microaggressions in the workplace and it's a 200 people like you're not going to learn anything it's going to be very high level um notes or tactics Mm -hmm. etc but with our um champion series and office hours we let's say we invite like 50 people max and then after a short panel of 15 minutes or so we break these people off into groups of five or groups of however many to really connect with each other and talk through each other's personal experiences. So I think with that, that continues to create that level of intimacy um, that, that we could worry about as we scale, but we want to make sure that those are, you know, our core events that people continue to get value out of so they can't be, you know, super, super huge. Gotcha. That makes total sense. In creating this community, what have some of your challenges been? Um, I think (laughs) there have been so many challenges, honestly. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that the major one was identifying what MemConnect was and our uh, differentiating factor. Because like I said earlier, it started as a group chat. Like I never intended on creating a business or being a business owner. It just kind of happened. And then mm-hmm. after I have so many people like, oh, my God, I love them connect. Da, 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 da. I'm like, oh, well, now now I have to continue going, you know, so uh-huh. I, it's not like, OK, I'm tired of y'all. I want to do this no more. It's right. Like people find value in it. And, you know, they they kind of depend on it. People use them connect daily to for different things. And I right. think that that's super key. So figuring out our differentiating factor was one and figuring out our business was another because. At the end of the day, everybody that owns a business is in the market to make money, right? So how do I 
make money from a business that's community based and keep it authentic, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to sell out at the end of the day. Right. Even, even right. as we scale, I know mm-hmm. there are going to be things that we lose, but I don't want to sell out and be something completely different, you know? Yeah. So I think like that that's the problem that I'm facing mm-hmm. right now is how do we continue to make it authentic? How do we continue to have our differentiating factor? And like, how can we monetize it so that um, me and my co-founder and any employees that we hire can make a living off of doing something that we love? Exactly. Exactly. And I think that any type of community or mission-based organization has that same struggle. Staying true to the mm-hmm. mission, but mm-hmm. monetizing, <laughs> you know? Exactly. And, and once I solve that that problem or figure out the answer to that question, I'll be a, a billionaire myself because I think that <laughs> once you start bringing in the money and things like that, it can get tricky because mm-hmm. what what makes money doesn't always make mission sense or, or mm-hmm. vice versa. So you say that you fell into it being a business. How did that happen? And you say you even met your co-founder through Mem Connect. So can you kind of tell us how that went? Yeah. So like I said, Mem Connect was a group chat. Um, in two weeks, we had over 300 people in the group chat and everybody two was weeks. talking. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. Um, and Bianca actually just slid in my DMs and she was like, hey, I love what you're doing. Mem Connect. Do you want to make this something bigger? And I'm like, hmm, I've been thinking about it. I don't, I don't really know, but sure. Let's, let's chat and see what your ideas are. And Bianca had actually been thinking about something similar to MemConnect for a while. So it kind of made sense to, you know, collaborate and go at it together versus trying to do something similar on our own. Um, right. So that's how we kind of met. And luckily it just worked out because, you know, so many founder relationships don't. But luckily yeah. we figured we figured out how to make it work because we we're both driven by this passion. And now we're really good friends and know everything about each other. Um, but you know, that's, that's just a process knowing, getting to know somebody while on top of it, building a business is a process in itself. Right. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how we met. And then the second question was it's how you started the process of making it the a business. business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know, um, <laughs> when, when we first figured out, Hey, there's an opportunity. We were like, so scared that somebody was going to come and take it from us. And we were like, mm-hmm. we got to go get a trademark. We got to go get an LLC, et cetera. Uh-huh. So we did, we actually did go and get an LLC, but at the end of the day, that doesn't stop anybody from stealing your ideas or whatever. <laughs> right. Um, but we got the LLC. Um, and then we just started figuring out what does our audience want? So it was a lot of customer discovery, a lot of having conversations, a lot of um, trials and errors and just, doing something that takes a month and having to scrap it because it doesn't work. So I think being an entrepreneur, you have to be super, super humble because you have to kill your babies. Like the loves mm-hmm. of your life that you worked on for two months. And you think this is going to be something that everybody loves and then right. nobody uses it. And you're like, wow, that was a waste of my time. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. It's so much trial and error. There's no big So much. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And especially as a first time founder, like, there's there's an emergence of a lot of black and brown entrepreneurs now who are first time founders who are building companies out of frustrations or needs and we're getting yeah. you know all this funding and et cetera but we're still figuring it out so I think for me now I'm actually full time them connect now like I've been doing this full time oh, congratulations for <laughs> thank you. <laughs> For two months. And these two months for me have been all about, you know, talking to entrepreneurs that have 
successfully funded businesses and founded them, um, getting mm-hmm. to know them on a personal level beyond what they're doing with their business, talking mm-hmm. and meeting with investors and developing that relationship so that when we are ready to seek funding, I have, you know, a network of people that already believe in me and my product. Yeah. And then additionally, like making sure the community is still there. We're still giving them what they want. So it's you, you're being pulled in a lot of different directions and you have to find time to to balance and manage it all. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what would you say has been your biggest lesson in entrepreneurship in your first two months? Ooh, um, <laughs> I can do everything. Mm-hmm. I think realizing that I can do everything um, is key. And I think a common misconception for people who want to be entrepreneurs is that, hey, they get to make their own schedules, live life on the edge, et cetera. I do not control my schedule at all. Like Mm -hmm. I have goals and metrics and North stars that I want my business to reach. And then I have things that I have to do to get there and people that I have to meet with. So a lot of times my schedule is based on, you know, people that I need to talk to. Like today, Mm-hmm. I have been up since probably like 5 a.m. doing work and I'm, I have work to do after this interview. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my days yeah. are, my days are instead of, you know, the nine, not five, your own, you know, like, mm-hmm. they're not my own. And I'm working mm-hmm. 12 and 14 hour days. Luckily I can work them from my apartment or wherever I need to. Um, yeah. But that's the biggest probably learning lesson for me. From last year, this time last year, how much has your life changed and what lessons are you applying now from then? Oh, God. I feel like my life changes every day. Oh. Every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Even before day, entrepreneurship. Every, well, definitely after entrepreneurship, but definitely mm-hmm. before I think that last year, we kind of had a sense of what LimConnect was and we kind of knew kind of how we can monetize it. And we were still trialing things, like figuring out what really worked, figuring out who we needed on our team, figuring out what technology we needed to build, et cetera. I -hmm. think that right now um, we have that North Star of what we need to build technology-wise to, you know, accomplish our core mission, which is to um, increase economic opportunity for people of color, right? And Mm -hmm. the first way we're going to do that is through helping them find Mm -hmm. job opportunities and working directly with companies who care about diversity and inclusion to be the bridge to help them get there. And I think drilling out our whole goal into, you know, that one line, hey, we're here to create economic opportunity for black and brown people. I think that has cleared my vision a lot and I'm less worried about oh, we can do X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. That sounds super cool. And I'm like, okay, this is the mission. How do we go here? And then we can expand. Right. Um, So a lot, definitely a lot more clarity. That's awesome. Clarity is key in anything. Clarity is key. Exactly. Mm -hmm. If someone's listening and they have an idea that they've been thinking about working on or starting a business, what do you think are the first things that they need to do? Is it getting an LLC? Is it doing a trademark? Is it, you know, getting a website, you know, even? What do you Mm -hmm. think um, if they want to do like a mission-focused community? Yeah, I mean, it all depends on what type of company they want. Like, do they want a VC backable company? Do they want a nonprofit? Or do they want something that's just kind of like a passion thing that they're doing? But Mm -hmm. Regardless of either of that, before you do any legal things, just get out there and do it. Like I posted about this today 
I've been talking to, I've been having conversations with people who want to start, you know, different initiatives and companies. And they're like, oh, I, can, I need to have a WordPress website or a Squarespace website. And I need to, you know, get a logo and I need to have X amount of followers before I can even do one thing. And I'm just like, no, just start, just start doing. Because at the end mm. of the day, your initial idea is probably not going to be the final product, right? Mm-hmm. So. I think, especially with Mem Connect, like we just got started, we didn't know what we were going to be. And then each year, Mem Connect was something different until this mm-hmm. year when we really figured out, okay, this is actually what our audience wants. And I think you have to zone in on like, what is the, what is your company or your initiative at the basic level before you can even worry about, oh, let me go get an LLC or let me go get something trademarked because like I said, it's going to change and your company name may change. Now you have to do a whole new website or a whole new brand or a whole new LLC trademark, et cetera, because the yeah. company is completely different. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. even, honestly, I wouldn't even worry about all that. Just worry about getting the idea into the world and seeing how people react. And then if it's mm-hmm. something that, you know, is growing and is worth your time still, then you can start worrying about, okay, how can I protect it? How can I make sure it grows? How can I monetize it? Just out of curiosity, what are some of the different things Mem Connect has been in previous years before getting clarity? <laughs> Honestly, so we keep it broad now. Like Mem Connect is a career resource and professional network. I think mm-hmm. year one, we thought, hey, Mem Connect could be, you know, the next BT. We can have all this content and we can create all this video and we're going to be the place where black people go to get entertainment. And then we realized, uh, okay. black people, we love being entertained, but that's not why yeah. people are using them connect, right? Yeah. But then we took it a step back and we were like, okay, everybody's in here. They work in media and marketing. So we could be, you know, our own marketing frame and we can work with brands to put out cool things. Mm-hmm. And then once again, taking a step back, nobody's asking us to create a campaign right now. Like why are we right. trying to be uh, a media <laughs> company? Mm-hmm. So I think just, you have to put your own like, wants and biases aside and really listen to your audience and I think Mm -hmm. with us doing that that's how we landed on what we are now Mm -hmm. and just to you know further amplify that message that listening to your audience and that's why I always tell people even with the podcast give me feedback give me feedback (laughs) comment you know let me know send me an email slide in my dms if you like something you don't like something because that feedback is key when you are creating something that you want to be a resource for a community you know you need to know what what your community likes, loves, hates, what what they want more or less of. So as y'all are listening, comment, tell us what you you like, what you feel. Go ahead. Yes, please comment. (laughs) But I think also from, you know, an entrepreneurial perspective, like you're, you're getting feedback from different people. So you're getting feedback from your clients which could be your customers, depending. You're getting feedback from your community. You're getting feedback from investors if you're seeking funding. So it's a lot of it's a lot of feedback that you have to take in and kind of internalize and spit back out to what makes sense. Because everybody's going to tell you something different, right? So you yeah. have to kind of like, at the end of the day, you know your business and you mm-hmm. have to take, take a little bit of this and disregard that in order yeah. to make it work. Mm-hmm. And I think going back to like just feedback, I love feedback. Like I live for it. But at a certain point, you know, you, you're getting told no or like this doesn't work every day. It could kind of weigh on your soul, too, which is why I think self-care for entrepreneurs is super, super important. Yes, absolutely. And we're going to get to self-care in a second, but just also <laughs> knowing your North Star 
and having that in mind at all times, despite the negative criticisms or the no's and in conjunction with whatever feedback, just keeping that North star ever present and and mindful Mm -hmm. and and just knowing, Hey, this is the direction we're going in and we'll apply these Mm -hmm. things as long as it's helping us go in that same direction. Exactly. And that helps you to make sure you're not spinning too. Cause I felt like additionally within the first two years of Connect, we were spinning, like mm-hmm. we had so many ideas and we we're so excited to get into the world. And when we stepped back and looked at, Hey, why did we even do that? Like it didn't lead to, you know, an increase in followers. It didn't lead to an increase in revenue. It was just something yeah. we wanted to do. And mm-hmm. while, yeah, we were happy in that moment. Like how did it really help our business grow? It was right. waste of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing I think with a lot of entrepreneurs, when you don't have that blueprint, when you're doing something that's never been done before, you know, I guess knowing what you know now, do you think there's a way to avoid that spinning or is it always going to be just trial and error? I think it's always going to be trial and error. Like nobody, Mm -hmm. nobody in this world knows what they are doing. No matter how, no matter how buttoned up they look, they sound, they speak. Nobody knows what they're doing. Everybody is figuring it out. And I think as I started having conversations with who I um, deem successful entrepreneurs, like I realized that, hey, they're just people too that happen to figure it out before me. And I think, I think that's important to know, like nobody has the the keys to, you know, profitability or to success. You got to figure it out on your own. And that brings me specifically to, I'm sure you've seen this tweet. It's like, would you rather have, $50,000 $50,000 or dinner with Warren Buffett or Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. Why on earth would I pick dinner with Warren Buffett or Jay-Z <laughs> when, when I could literally read whatever it is that they're going to tell me? But at the end of the day, like, yeah, they told me, but they had to do it their own way and they had to take different steps. They Like, I can't just go out and replicate what Warren Buffett did and tomorrow I'm a billionaire, you know? You have right. to do it on your own. You have to figure it out. So I, I just don't, I don't understand that tweet one. But yes, mm-hmm. it's definitely always trial and error. What worked for them may not work the same way for you, you know, because they've exactly. already done certain things. And they have a different audience too, with a different price point. So Exactly. Warren Buffett can sell, you know, thousand dollar dinner tickets or whatever. I can't sell that to my friends. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. We talk about lessons in general and new people and expanding your network and all of those different things. I know that you talked about recently in your Instagram story takeover, you talked about setting boundaries. How important has that been? for you, especially as an entrepreneur, I consider boundaries to be setting boundaries to be my favorite act of self. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What, what would you say um, the role of boundaries has played in your life? I think setting boundaries are super, super, super important. So me, I am typically an easily accessible person and Mm -hmm. somebody can hit me up on LinkedIn like hey can you look at my resume I'm like yeah sure give me like two hours and I'll figure it out Mm -hmm. (laughs) like Mm -hmm. that's how accessible I was yeah and I didn't really realize it until one of my friends texted me he was like he I I respond immediately to things he was like why are you so accessible all the time and Mm -hmm. I was like you know what I don't know why I'm so accessible (laughs) trying to help people (laughs) trying to help people like it's it's my whole it's but 
at the end of the day, like I was helping so many people, I was, I didn't have time for myself, you know, yeah. like, cause I had to meet people. I had to take all these calls. And while it brought me a little bit of joy, I was kind of stressed out too. So yeah. now setting boundaries, like, Hey, for me, I'm going to work between these hours. Um, when I wake up in the morning, I have an hour where I just kind of journal about gratitude or whatever's on my mind, like just conscious journaling. It's, sometimes it's like a bunch of nonsense, but it helps me get out <laughs> my feelings. Um, mm-hmm. And then after that, I have an hour. So my team knows that between 5 and 7.30, I'm offline because I'm doing stuff for me. Yeah. And that's very, very, very important. It's very important. And I think saying no mm-hmm. is boundary setter. Because I, like I said, I never said no. And now I get, I, I kind of get a little joy from saying no. Like, huh, no, not doing You're right. it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Because I don't have to. Like, why? Yeah, exactly. So, and yeah, you know what not saying no is going to do? Stress you out. Or be. Exactly. Well, before we wrap up, I want to do Lonnie's last five questions. Okay. The first one: What is your favorite act of self care? um, it's actually become running. So I was never Ooh. like a big workout person, but I I live right across the street from a park now. So I really oh, like nice. running in the park and it, it frees my mind and I'm only focused on like whatever music I'm listening to and making sure that I can breathe. Uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. So I love doing that. Awesome. What's something you wish you were better at? Ooh, um, making time to cook. So okay. I make time for, like I said, I make time for something else. But when it comes to making sure that I'm fed, I don't uh-huh. and I often eat trash. So I wish I was better at like planning meals and things like that. Okay. Something we can work on for the rest of the 2019. Right. Go for the rest of the year. What is your definition of success? Success is being in a position where you can easily help someone else. So if somebody calls me and they're like, hey, I want to talk to the HR manager at X company. I'm like, okay, here's the contact information. Because I have built that network of valuable people. What's a quote or piece of advice that you live by? Um, Passion produces perseverance is like my all-time favorite quote. And a man actually said this to us, me and my partner, like a while ago. We were just having a meeting and he just said it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get a tatted. Jokingly, uh-huh. of course, but uh-huh. it's followed me like every since, since that conversation has been my favorite quote, because I believe that when you're really passionate about something, there's nothing that's going to stop you from completing it. No matter how many no's, lack of finances, lack of where to start, you're going to figure it the fuck out. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what has driven them connect to be what it is today and to be where it's going, what it's going to be tomorrow and the next day and the next day. What do you want to be remembered for? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to be remembered for helping others. I think that's cliche, I know. But I feel like everything that I've done in my life has kind of been geared towards lifting the next person up and making sure that they're able and qualified to do whatever it is that they want to do. So to be known for that would be like my life goal and mission. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So before we let you go, tell us how we can best support you and Mim Connect. Follow us on social media at MIM Connect. Subscribe to our newsletter. Tell your friends about us. 
that's the best way to help us. And where can they connect with you online? Yeah, so um, my website is netadobbins.com and then you can follow me everywhere at netadobbins. One thing I do want to make sure that I shout out is Secret Black Girl Meeting. It is a passion project of mine and it's an event series where I curate a safe space to help black women or Afro-ex women and our allies um, connect with each other and talk about issues plaguing our community. So I think that I was the one holding myself back from that and now just putting it out into the atmosphere I've already had, you know, 200 people within the past two days of me launching it sign up for the news. And then I have an event space for the first event. I have people who want to partner and sponsor the event. So at the yes. end of the day, just put, just put it out there. Like the worst people can say is no. Or what's the best that can happen versus thinking yes. about what's the worst that can happen. Congratulations. I'm so Thank happy you. that you that you launched it. So <laughs> be looking out for that. Does a uh, secret black girl meeting have its own social media yet? Or can we find out more information about that through your website or your social media? I do have an Instagram account. It is SBGM presents. Um, we only have an Instagram account. Like I said, it's a passion project, so I'm not trying to do the most with it and make it a okay. whole nother thing. Um, but hit us up on social and sign up for the newsletter to find out about the next event. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Lonnie Swain Show podcast. Please visit my website, LonnieSwain.com, where you can sign up for my monthly newsletter, check out companion blog posts, show notes, and lots of other cool stuff. This podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Buzzsprout, CastBox, Anchor, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and and my website. I love and appreciate all of your feedback. So don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with at least three people who you think would enjoy it too or benefit from the information. Until next time, go where you are celebrated and appreciated, not just tolerated. Talk to you soon. <laughs>